Okay, so let's make a start. Cool. Um, good evening, everyone. Welcome to this uh, podcast by the SIBSI Young Energy Performance Group, our first podcast for 2021. And today we'll be discussing um, pass the passive measures uh, to re reduce energy use in buildings, specifically looking at the building facade and how that can be optimized to, to improve the thermal performance of, of the building envelope. And today we have a speaker, a facade engineer, um, Nikoforos Papatheodou from Mindheart. Um, a bit of background on Nikoforos. Um, he obtained his um, MEng degree in civil engineering in Greece, moved to London to complete a master's in environmental design and engineering in UCL. And in 2015, started his career in an engineering consultancy, Price and Myers, as a sustainability consultant. Um, where he gained experience looking at um, um, thermal modeling and, and sustainability engineering. And then in 2017, moved into the more facade structural engineering side of things, but um, working for the building envelope contractor Prater before joining Mindheart um, UK as a facade engineer in 2019, where he's been further developing these skills as a facade engineer, looking specifically at the, the structural side. Um, Nico Forrest, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Gavin. Thanks very much. Oh, good. Um, maybe start off. Maybe give us a bit of a um, a brief understanding of what what you do on a day-to-day -day basis as a facade engineer. Yeah. Well, basically, there are two two aspects on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, we either look the projects on a on an early design stage. Um, so this includes. Uh, liaising with architects uh, and uh, sustainability engineers and uh, contractors um, in order to to basically materialize what the architects have in mind. Um, this can include preliminary uh, thermal or structural calculations, maybe give some options for the architects to decide what what uh, works best. Same for the uh, for the contractors to decide what is what's more buildable, maybe. Um, and the other aspect is the construction stage. Uh, if we're appointed for a construction stage, we go to site, we do site visits, we try to identify any risks associated with how the facade is built. Um, plus, we liaise with more with the engineers of the contractor in order to discuss and review their calculations, again, structural, thermal, acoustics, and uh, review the drawings they have submitted, basically, for the construction to come. So, yeah, this is it, basically, yeah. in a nutshell. Yeah. And, and I mean, what, what made you want to get into in the industry and what kind of fascinated you about facade engineering or starting well, off in the civil yeah. field? Yeah. Um, basically, my, my, my background, which is uh, structural engineering and then environmental engineering. Um, I was looking a way to to combine these two fields. So I think that facade lies directly in the middle of this. So it's it's a good way to basically uh, be a bit of a generalist, let's say, uh, but also do one of the structural part, one of the thermal part, and be be informed about sustainability in general. So yeah, the, the main reason was that I wanted to utilize all my skills. I started as a sustainability consultant, but this was only one part. Then I did like more structure, so a, a good way to combine everything, basically. 
No, great, great. And I guess setting up the scene for for, for this topic, uh, a great place to start is is talking about you know what what standards exist currently and 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 um, understanding you know how these standards have changed over the years and if there's any noticeable noticeable trends um, between London and the rest of UK. Um, in, in your opinion, kind of, do you have any comments on that to, to start off with? Um, well, let me let me set how the the building regulations work. Um, so we have the building regulations, the partel basically. Um, this gives the the minimum U, uh, requirements. This is U value. This is uh, um, efficiencies for system lighting, etc. Um, then based on these, we we take the the CO2 emissions of a let's say a baseline scenario building, which is called the the notional building and uh, we compare them with the CO2 emissions of the building we, we designed. Uh, now, the, the London plan requires certain reduction in uh, CO2 against this performance of the national building. Um, the three scenarios are built-in, where um, it is required at least 15% improvement in CO2 emissions, but this should come from uh, passive measures like U-values, shading, etc and active measures like efficiency of heating, cooling, lighting, etc. Um, then it's the big clean, which uh, basically is if uh, we can connect to the district heating. And the big green scenario, which is the, uh, the reduction required here is at least 35% improvement in CO2 emissions. And uh, this has to be achieved through renewables. So PV panels, uh, resource heat pumps, or wind turbines, basically. Um, now there had been a, an uplift um, in uh, an uplift to zero carbon in uh, 2016. Uh, this means that uh, each building has to have uh, reduced uh, CO2 emissions by 100%, and this has to be achieved by either uh, on-site or off-site. On-site is the measures we we discussed before, like PV and uh, turbines. And uh, offsite measures is like uh, carbon offset payments to the local authority, basically. Um, yeah, th this is the London plan. So mm -hmm. for other cities, the the target is is lower than the 35%, um, maybe 10 or 20%. Um, and yeah, th there is a different there is a difference. Well, the, the reasons is mainly because um, we note that the the prices in London. Are much higher, so the market has the capacity to to basically dissipate this um, this extra cost that you need in order to to make a building more more uh, sustainable, efficient. Um, this is one reason, and in my opinion, the other reason is that um, of course London is a big city, so accounts for higher percentage of the total CO2 emissions of the UK. So the, st the standards are, are stricter here as, as it plays a more important role um, proportionally. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's um, yeah, great, great place to start. And um, I think that the understanding of Partel going forward and how it's going to change is going to be really interesting. Um, yes, um, yeah, I mean, uh, there are there are new there are some some standards that uh, that uh, are coming out uh, at the end of this year. It's the, inter, it, the interim building regulations, 
Um, these will have uh, obviously increased the uh, U values and uh, uh, other other uh, requirements. Uh, but the, the the big picture, let's say, is that this will lead us to the um, uh, future home standards and uh, future building standards uh, that uh, they they will deliver uh, zero carbon ready uh, buildings. So nothing will be built with energy produced from uh, uh, fossil fuels, such as natural gas, after 2025, basically. Yeah, with a great goal to, to be ready from 2025 to 2050 to achieve the net zero carbon target without changing anything else and without uh, needing any, any further refurbishments. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess that's, that's, um, that's, that's the regulations at the moment. That's what's mandatory. The building regulations and the London plan, as I, as I mentioned before, is what is mandatory. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to go to, to the next uh, level as we, as we discussed. Yeah. And I guess right, right now there exists other frameworks that industry leaders are looking to, to, to adopt to, I guess, um, um, improve their, their energy performance. Um, I guess uh, you have the likes of Passive House and more recently the London um, Energy Transformation Initiative who um, this body released their Climate Emergency Design Guide um, which um, I guess details a lot more stringent um, fabric performance guidelines where, 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 a lot, where a lot of industry leaders feel the Partel regulations fall short of. Um, in relation to these sad performance requirements, I guess what is, firstly, what are the major differences between these two, uh, are between these more stringent um, standards, and, and and what's required technically to to enable um, them to be achieved? Yeah. Um, well, as you said, they're they're quite stricter. Let's say, um, for example, the the Leti U value target is uh, 0.15, if I'm not wrong, and this, in order to be achieved in a solid wall, it needs around, let's say, 350 mil insulation. Um, whereas now, with a typical 0.18 U value, um, this needs around 200, 250 mil insulation. That might be enough. So, therefore, we understand that cost increases because you increase basically the insulation from 200 to 350, so more than 50%, maybe. Um, cost increases also cost because you reduce the, the thermal area, sorry, the internal floor area uh, as you increase the, the insulation. Um, so yeah, also architectural implications because architects will probably have an issue with that. Um, so yeah, this is one thing. Then um, also it requires generally in order to achieve the, to achieve the more strict uh, standards, requirements, um, you need uh, less glazing uh, and more triple glazing, which is 30-40% more expensive than uh, double glazing. Uh, wh where you have glazing, you will need triple glazing in the end. So again, cost, architectural. Um, the other part is that uh, air tightness is, is very low in Leti, and this is actually hard to achieve in practice. Uh, this is a, a challenge for, for manufacturers mostly because we find from, from personal experience that the uh, windows, uh, when, when they do the weather tightness test on-site, um, many times fail. Uh, it's either either the installation process goes wrong or 
uh, lack of testing from uh, manufacturers in the specific arrangement. Um, so yeah, this is this is a uh, this is important for the for the specifiers to to actually specify systems that are tested and and come from from trusted suppliers basically. Um, well, as as uh, I'm saying this, but yeah, achieving the the, the stricter standards is 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 challenging mainly due to the high level of coordination required. Uh, builders need to, to be trained correctly for the, uh, the installation process, uh, manufacturers to produce better performing systems, um, engineers uh, of different sectors to work closer together, building fabric, systems design, etc. Um, and um, I, I would like to note that the, the LETI and the passive house requirements are it's it's important to understand that they are they are designed to to work together as as a whole. Uh, there's there's no flexibility to balance something out if uh, if if it's, it's not performing as expected, which you might have in in partel. Um, a good example for this one is the the, the strict uh, air tightness level. This serves the purpose to of, of reducing the the energy demand. Yeah. Um, it, but in practice, it achieves this by allowing very limited air to enter the the building. So you you will need your mechanical ventilation system to to be carefully designed, uh, manufactured, installed, to to be able to cover the fresh air requirements for the occupants. If this doesn't happen, then they feel uncomfortable by these low levels of fresh air. They will open the windows to 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 use more natural ventilation. And then, um, like more frequently than expected, and modeled, uh, of course. So the the heating cooling will increase, and uh, this this the whole design will fail by not being able to predict uh, accurately the the behavior the the occupant's behavior. So yeah, I mean it it is feasible to move to to more demanding targets. The research and the technology is there, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it it needs to be utilized correctly. It needs to. It needs more coordination and needs to be to be uh, applied correctly. Uh, luckily, as as experience grows uh, and uh, materials uh, evolve, perform better, uh, the cost falls as well. Um, yeah. Passive House Trust uh, mentions that the construction of a passive house now it's uh, eight eight percent. I think. Uh, more expensive and like five six years ago it was around 20 so so you you see that the the, the difference the relative difference in costs uh, is is in a in a decreasing let's say uh, trend and i guess that initial i think the where where passive house and letty um show 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 their benefit is is that long life cycle analysis on operational cost reductions as well so whilst you have that initial you know larger upfront capex which is decreasing you you will see you will likely see you know improved um operational costs going forward um yes yeah exactly exactly the uh, and and also better thermal thermal comfort because you don't have that that much of a of a fluctuation inside the the house but of course in order to be achieved as we as we said you need to have for example proper proper uh, ventilation because it might need that you don't have that much of, of uh, fresh air as you need so yeah if if it was correctly it achieves all this as you said mm. uh, yeah i guess it i completely agree it it, it requires that 
that um, enhanced training across all aspects of of the construction industry. You know, teaching mm-hmm. builders. I would not sort of just bringing bringing everyone up to speed with 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 the different um, um, processes required to achieve those standards, and then from a facilities management perspective as well, understanding how to operate um, these buildings, which are you know slightly different compared to what we're designing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. I guess I, we, we almost touched on it then, but I guess that the other key point is is I guess what what's required from stakeholders. I guess you know look at when we're looking to achieve these these more um, ambitious uh, frameworks. Um, I, you might have already touched on this, but yeah, what what in your opinion, kind of what what is required from the different stakeholders involved? Yeah. Um, um, well, for. for for clients, I think they, they used to be more more reluctant because of the high costs, of, cor- of course. Um, but we, I think that the, the last few years it has changed positively. Uh, people seem to understand uh, more clearly the, the environmental crisis we are in, and I think this refers to to everyone, even us. I think everyone has has a, a bigger awareness now. Um, so yeah, basically in the in the design meetings, there is always uh, uh, the need to to balance everyone's uh, expectations. Uh, uh, developers are uh, obviously more, more strict to the budget. Uh, contractors uh, look at it from the, uh, the the buildability perspective and reduce material costs. Uh, architects uh, from an aesthetic perspective. So they need to be so yeah. So also architects need to to be uh, to be eager. For to to accept the potential loss loss of internal space, uh, reduced glass percentage in the facade, uh, or a better performing facade that maybe doesn't look as as they initially uh, thought. Um, and as you said, even even for the end user, uh, again it might be a higher upfront cost uh, to to buy a better performing building. But yeah, now as we said, people take take into account that this leads to to lower. Um, uh, energy bills and, and better thermal comfort in the in the long term. So yeah, in, in my opinion, every, everyone is happy to to take the extra mile, but uh, yeah, as as far as possible in a in a cost-effective way. Maybe apart from the architects, they don't care about cost, but yeah, more <laughs> the more the, the aesthetic result. But yeah, I mean, yeah. everybody everybody is happy, but yeah, it has to be in a in a sensible way. Let's say. Yeah, 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 and I guess yeah, that that's um, a great. Um, Kind of summary of, of how of how each each stakeholder can, I guess has has to has to be flexible um, yeah. to to enable the the achievement of these standards. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we've touched on the the the, I guess technically what what's required to to achieve these these um um more stringent fabric performance standards. Um, with your background in facade engineering, it'd be great to touch on some I guess key design considerations that that can help improve the performance and the thermal performance of a building and um i guess other other methods that that can you know ch- change change the facade or maybe relax certain some certain requirements such as the glazing percentage other ways to 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 um ensure that um a building up um, performs well thermally. So, um, the first the first point is around I guess thermal bridge detailing. Um, I think that's quite a, a good one to start, and it's something that I don't think everyone is, is entirely aware of. So, um, but what is thermal bridge detailing, and how is it achieved? Yeah. Um, well, um, thermal bridges are areas or even spots that have significantly 
um, higher heat transfer than the surrounding materials. Um, this can be uh, break or gap in uh, insulation or um, if insulation is, is penetrated by, by an element of uh, higher thermal conductivity, let's say steel, aluminum, which is, which is very common in, in facades. So um, to be fair with you, you can't really eliminate all thermal bridges. This is impossible. But what you can do is you can uh, mitigate the effect. You can uh, use thermal breaks for the steel and aluminum brackets, for example. Uh, you can put, window, put the windows and doors uh, within the insulation layer as much as possible. Um, avoid uh, continuous rails from, from the external penetrating the insulation. For example, this happens at slab edges mostly. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, generally the, the principle is to not interrupt the, uh, the, the thermal continuity of, of the facade. Um, the, therm the, the, the thermal line, uh, this is the, the insulation for solid areas and the middle of the glass for uh, windows or curtain walls. Um, well, yeah, as facade engineers, what, what we usually do is uh, in design or, or construction phase, uh, we try to identify where we will have a potential issue in thermal bridging. Uh, we look for this continuation of, of insulation, um, making sure the, the insulation follows a, a continuous path. Uh, it might be just uh, poor workmanship. We go inside and we see that they forgot, for example, to add the thermal pad behind the bracket. Or uh, which is shown in the drawing, or if it's not shown in the drawing, it's a it's a different uh, story. But yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so we or we can go to side and we see that there is a gap in the insulation, or it's it's not tightly fit together. Um, so we we can see that uh, the some contractors are not are not always aware of of this need for continuation. They they don't give, let's say, the proper attention to, to detail in this. Um, or what, what we've seen in, in drawings is that you, you have your, your solid panel and then you have a window which is a bit, a bit, a bit forward. And so the, the, thermal, uh, the, the thermal line of the insulation and the thermal line of the window, they, they don't align. So basically this part needs to be insulated. Otherwise you, you have a thermal bridge there. Um, Generally, the, the standard is conservative to account for, for all these, uh, uh, let's say, difficulties in, in achieving the quality. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something that, that we, 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 we try to spot from, from the construction phase or before in order mm -hmm. to, to, to rectify it. And, and are you... Um... I guess more recently on, on, on site visits, is it, is it something that, that you're still, still picking up? Is it, is, it, is it just something that is always going to be there and just because of the budget requirements within the construction phase? Um, no, because it, it's not, it's not uh, much of um, a budget issue because, uh, I mean, it doesn't cost uh, something in order to, to add the time pressure. Exactly. It's like, uh, it's, uh, it's like, as I said, that maybe the contractor is not aware sometimes and they say okay we we have the panel then we have the window what, what's the difference if we if you have the window aligned or if you have it like uh, 20 uh, or not 20 like 200 mil uh, forward and they can understand that this will make a, a huge thermal bridge there uh, so it's this kind of stuff or as i said poor poor workmanship on site that yeah we, we need to spot that uh, yeah you forgot to add the thermal pad here uh, or you this insulation has a has a gap which might be just a small gap like that 
because you know one planet finishes the other starts and you might have like a, a small gap there and no one just picked it up mm. yeah and then you won't you don't you don't know that you don't know the effect of these things until unfortunately it's, it's a yes, you have exactly. a thermal camera and you and you see the, exactly, the, the, the exactly. hot spots above the windows don't you yeah exactly exactly um, yeah. no i think it's an interesting one i think it's something i know that's um, vital for to to achieve these these um, you know mm. passive house. It's something that you know they 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 spend a lot of time to yeah. and there's a lot of effort. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. As we as we mentioned before, it's uh, attention to detailing and and maybe better training to to be able to 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 deliver exactly how how it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another another key concept is this idea of thermal mass and understanding, um, you know how how, how what 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 is what is the optimal amount to have, and, and firstly, you know, what what is it? Um, so, um, and how, how it can effectively be used? Um, would you be able to, to, to touch on that concept? Yeah. Uh, well, um, thermal mass is uh, is the property of the materials to to store heat and release it after some time with with a time lag. Um, materials with high thermal mass are concrete, brick, water. Um, so. How it, how it works. In winter, it stores the heat from solar gains and ambient space and releases it, releases it during the night where the, when the temperature is lower. Mm-hmm. In summer, it absorbs ambient heat during the day, so it, it, it helps to, to maintain the space a bit cooler during the day. And then during the night, uh, it releases this heat. Uh, but it has to be combined with uh, night cooling. This is a this is a really important thing about how thermal mass works in summer. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to be able to release the heat and and uh, basically um, ha- has the same capacity the next day to to do the same thing, you have to have to have like a natural ventilation or mechanical ventilation. But in any in any case, to to release this this heat. Um, so. Uh, in in uh, in general terms, it it makes the the space more more thermally comfortable because uh, it reduces the the temperature fluctuations of the internal. Um, it's a it's a passive measure to to reduce energy. It's 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 a key consideration for for the for the heating and cooling loads. Um, if you if if you have a, a concrete floor, for example, and it has a direct sunlight from from uh, a window, then uh, the, the solar gains are, are are utilized. So this this heat from from solar gain is, is utilized, and uh, uh, this can be a, this affects also the design of of the windows because if a window faces uh, a, an internal wall, it it won't have the, the same effect because internal walls are mainly plasterboard; they're not heavily heavily thermal mass. Of course, mm-hmm. if they are if they are concrete walls, for example. Of course, it it uh, helps a lot there again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, th- this is the, the main concept. Um, it it uh, it is it can be controlled with uh, with shading because what you want what you ideally want to do is you want to have you want to ha- to take advantage of the the low sun angle of winter mm-hmm. and and have the your sunlight directly in your internal space and uh, block it during uh, summer where, where when the the sun angle is higher block it so uh, have, have it outside of your internal space but yeah this this is how how it works generally yeah yeah 
Um, you actually touched on sh shading. I think that's that's a good um, a good point to to continue with. So I guess in terms of in terms of shading, and it's not it's not a new technology, but I think it's something that's being utilised more, especially where where buildings want to retain you know a, a higher a glazing percentage facade and. You know, mm. there's you have different types, internal and external. Could you touch on these the main these two types, and I guess the some advantages disadvantages of each one? Yeah, yeah. Basically, um, it, it's a practical solution if if designed correctly, as we said, to to block the sunlight in in summer, uh, and then to allow the the sunlight in winter because you have you have the sun angle the sun angle is lower, so it's easier to 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 penetrate. Um, it, it performs better than uh, the internal uh, uh, shading because if if the solar heat gain enters the space, then it is basically trapped between the glass and the shading. Mm -hmm. So this this for summer is devastating. In the, it it increases the, the ambient temperature, so it has the, the opposite effect. And uh, also from experience, we I can say that you also have uh, uh, it, it might cause uh, thermal it, it might cause thermal shock to the internal pane of the glass. Cause glass breakage because it's it really rises the the temperature of of uh, the glass significantly. Um, there, there are also smart shading solutions uh, nowadays. The, the, this gives extra flexibility, more accuracy in design and and performance. Um, yeah, but it's I think it's it's an important uh, consideration to to maximize to maximize benefits of of other passive measures more. Mm -hmm. Like thermal mass, as we as we said, um, it's it of course it works alone, but it's not it doesn't make that much of a difference. But it is a, a good tool, let's say, to 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 maximize the the benefits for, for combined with with other measures. Yeah, and I guess in the external shading, um, it's it eliminates the the user behavior factor. You know, you don't have people exactly. <laughs> playing around with the internal shades. Exactly. I know I wouldn't. I'd want to maximize the amount of sunlight or, or <laughs> my view from my office. Um, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, actually, another another concept, I guess that 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 helps with the retention of of these these higher um, glazing percentages. That that is is quite. Um, it's, it's not it's not a new concept, but it's it's um, it's uh, this idea of a double skin facade and and. Uh, um, it, it you know it does it does touch on kind of there's some interesting um, elements there that that help with the thermal performance. Um, would you be able to touch on on, on that concept and the, the pros and cons? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Well, um, double skin facades. What are they? Um, basically, they are a glass facade. Then you have a gap, let's say 200 mil, and then another external glazing facade. Between them, at their cavity, there are vents. Um, Again, they, they can be a passive measure to, to reduce the energy demands. And how, how they work, again, in, in cold climates, the air cavity works basically as a buffer zone to, to minimize the heat loss. And uh, the sun-heated air contained in the cavity, again, heats the ambient uh, internal space uh, outside of the glass. Um, in warm climates, uh, the air in the cavity gets warm. And uh, through because sorry because of the uh, ambient uh, temperature, and then it due to the stack effect it, it is going upwards where it can be released to the external by opening the vents. Um, so yeah, th this way you you can decrease the, your your cooling uh, your cooling load. Um, 
some advantages are, as we said, that it reduces the, the thermal loads needed, so it offers better thermal performance. Um, it's architectural, uh, architecturally allows clear views and uh, natural sunlight due to, due to higher glazing percentage of the facade. It's a, it's a good way for architects to, to have the, the glass that they want. Um, and also it, it has, uh, uh, it offers natural ventilation through the vent, so it is it is healthier. Um, some uh, disadvantages are, of course, the, the cost is, is, is higher. Um, it requires more space since it, it can occupy a, a bit of substantial uh, floor area. And uh, depend on the surroundings because it, it needs the sun again to, to heat the, the air in the cavity. And uh, also it, it needs higher maintenance. Uh, because yeah, you you have the you need to have a strategy for cleaning this gap, let's say. But mm -hmm. all this is like uh, quite quite um, tied together, so mm -hmm. it it needs uh, more maintenance. Um, it it is it is a it is a good passive solution. Um, it it again it decreases the 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 temperature fluctuations and and the energy demands. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think more and more new buildings are going towards this this direction now uh, so yeah i think it's it's a good it's a good it's a good solution that that is going to it's it's up and coming uh, in the in the future it's i think it's going to be more more uh, applied than than now i guess it's 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 going to be a balance of all these um concepts isn't it it's there's no one solution that that is going to to yeah, of course. To, to to allow us to to to, to yeah to meet these yeah. these um future targets for the end. Um, moving a bit kind of sideways to, to, to other kind of concepts re relating to this is, is the, the idea of a green roof and, or a blue roof. And, and I know these are, these are becoming more popular um, as, as an option to, to be based uh, to, um, because there's a lot of pros, not just from a fabric, from a, um, a fabric performance perspective, but, but other, um, efficiency perspectives as well. Could you um, touch on, on these two concepts yeah. as well? Yeah, uh, well, the green roof is, uh, is uh, a roof of a building that is, is covered with, with vegetation uh, over, over a waterproofing membrane, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, the blue roof is, is similar to green roof, but it is there to provide uh, an initial temporary water storage to avoid a risk of, load, of loading on the on the ground level from rainfall, so it stores the water and then it gradually releases it. Um, the benefits are that uh, they they mitigate the heat island effect. You, you have vegetation on top of the building, so it's it's a good it's a good uh, uh, it's a good measure to to improve the microclimate. It absorbs the CO2. Um, also, it uh, reflects solar radiation instead instead of absorbing it. Um, for uh, the thermal performance of the roof, it is good because it's an extra layer of insulation. So the roof performs better thermally. Um, you you have an extra layer basically. Um, the, the the disadvantage is that it is uh, it is onerous for for the structure. Like from the structure side of things, you you put something heavy on top of your building. So this is this is not a a, a good thing. But especially for for blue roof. Um, because water is retained, so this adds weight, additional weight to the to the structure. 
but yeah, I, I think the 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 this this can be mitigated if if at an early stage. So uh, yeah, the 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 result I think it 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 has more benefits than than disadvantages for me. Definitely. I de yeah, I think the the air quality at the the point mm -hmm. is, is quite interesting. I think it would be. Um, oh, I, I'm interested to see kind of how many buildings we'll have to adopt uh, green roofs going forward as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and I guess another you know major challenge that that the the industry is is, is going to face is is retrofitting the existing building stock. Um, you know that with with you know something like 80% of buildings going to, going to be um, still still you know in use in the next but uh, in 50 years time so try this this idea of a, of, a, of a deep retrofit and, and looking to you know to replacing M&E plans the curtain wall and 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 stripping a building back to um, and and you know replacing the entire facade is is something that's going to going to happen more and more often now um when when um developers are real estate owners look to you know radically improve their the, the energy performance of their their assets yeah. um well, what are, what are the main challenges and, and points to consider do you think when when carrying out these deep, uh, they cut this deep retrofit um on the building facade particularly yeah um well de depending on the building each time you you need to decide what, what is the most effective way uh, for example uh, for a small building uh, lofts and uh, roof insulation might be the key um or on on external walls if if you already have much insulation adding more will probably not make any any big difference but if you don't have insulation at all even adding a small amount can can have a, a big impact so yeah it, it it you need to to see what where the balance where the balance is uh, depending on on the case uh, generally adding insulation externally uh, with some render finish, uh, this would be an effective uh, method. Um, I'm saying externally because better it, it's better externally uh, because this way you can utilize the the benefits of the thermal mass. Um, for example, in London, you know there are many many brick facades. So if you if you cover it with external insulation, you have high thermal mass there. Uh, so it's not just the the U value improvement that you achieve. Which is straightforward, but it's also the, the passive measure of thermal mass, as as discussed uh, before. Um, what else you can do is you, you can uh, you can try to to fill the cavity behind the bricks, for for example, in all buildings, because there's always uh, a cavity. But this uh, needs uh, needs uh, some uh, some consideration because you you need to to leave a minimum 40-50 mil uh, cavity to to ensure the, the brick is able to dry to dry out during. Uh, during summer season, brick is a porous material, so there's the risk of condensation behind it, if, if not properly ventilated. Um, then uh, other options for a facade, for, for a, a curtain wall or a, or a window, it's, uh, it's yeah, something traditional. Use a better window framing or a better performing glazing from single to, to double or even to triple. Um, yeah, use, use better U-values for, for the frames is, is also a key here. Mm -hmm. um, just to note here that uh, there are also other reasons for facade refurbishment. For example, now it's, it, it happens a lot. Um, the, uh, the fire safety. Many buildings require replacement, replacement now after what happened in Grenfell Tower mm -hmm. uh, with uh, of, the, of their facade cladding with non-combustible cladding. 
so yeah, after after the, the this disaster, the, there is increased awareness on on fire issues and facade is number one that you you need to to, to take into account. Yeah, I guess that could be you know that that can be exploited you know to, to have a, a more positive benefit. I guess you can look at. Um, when yeah. when you are replacing those facades, you can you can look to um, you know add more external insulation or, or or you know upgrade the insulation material, wide um, increase the the thickness potentially. So you can essentially kill two birds at one stone there. Um, exactly, exactly. Yeah. If you're using a newer system, the chances are, especially if it is an old building, the chances are that it will also perform better. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a good chance, let's say. Mm. And I think I think when whenever um, a, a, a commercial a, a, an owner goes is looking at doing something of this scale, I think there's there's quick wins like um, U value testing prior to prior to making the retrofit and doing you know smoke smoke air testing to to understand kind of where the gaps are, thermal imaging to understand yes yeah. the, um, the 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 breaks in the thermal lines. I think is a, is a great place to start. I think when you're attacking something of that scale yeah 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 well i have to say that uh, when you remove a cladding of like 30 40 years ago you don't know what you will find uh, behind it it's uh, it's actually some some scary <laughs> some scary stories but yeah it's uh, it's yeah it's uh, as, as we said it's, it's a good opportunity to to improve also the the performance of, the, of your cladding yeah definitely um and i guess it, it i guess We've touched on you know a lot of really technical details regarding the building facades, and I think some really interesting points that um, hopefully um, listeners will, will take away. Um, but in terms of the bigger picture, what what, what do you think is required um, for the industry to to um, going forward to to decarbonize the built environment? Um, yeah, well, we know we know that uh, nowadays the the built environment is responsible for around 40% of, of UK's total carbon footprint. So next steps will be definitely extensive electrification of, of the buildings and uh, no no more energy will be used from coming from fossil fuels. This is the next step. It is also in the in the from 2025 this will be will be a requirement. Um so of course along with that it will go the the further energy the, the further reduction in uh, energy demand of the buildings better fabric uh, passive measures more more uh, mechanical more of efficient mechanical systems um then uh, something else would be reforestation green buildings in the city green facades green roofs these will will capture co2 and uh, improve the air quality which which especially in london is is much needed and and in other big cities mm-hmm. um and uh, what else? The the, li- the life cycle assessments and the body carbon is a, is a very very interesting uh, context, basically. And I think that this this is an an up an up and coming topic. Um, we need to to concentrate on life cycle impacts of the products and the materials from their production, transportation, uh, use, and uh, end of life. Uh, or, or possibly recycling. This, this is a complicated comple- um, concept. Um, it, it, as it, it, it has multiple parameters to take into account. 
you, again, you, you can imagine coordination from, from different sectors is, is key. Um, many, many different sectors need to provide input for that. It's production, it's manufacture, transportation, everything. So yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, 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 the issue with, the, with why this is important is that there might be a material with high CO2 impact in the production stage, for example, such as aluminum. But uh, because of its thermal properties and specific applications, it might help to increase overall performance and, and save, um, save the CO2 in, in the long term, in terms of lower energy demand of the building. Mm -hmm. um, or it might have high recycling percent, percentage rate. For aluminum, it's like 90% currently. Um, yeah. Or um, uh, an, an effective way to reduce the, the embodied carbon of, of a curtain wall frame is to use a, a, a composite uh, aluminum and timber frame. And, th and this is quite common um, because, of course, timber has, has much lower uh, embodied carbon. But if, if the timber is sent to, to landfill in the end of, of its life, then it uh, emits methane during composition. So you miss much of the, of the carbon benefit. That, that's why you need maybe, let's say, a, a holistic approach. Um, uh, so something else which is very common in, in the construction sec sector, especially for, for curtain walls, is to produce a, mat a product, a, a curtain wall, for example, in uh, another country or uh, even continent. Uh, this is cheaper, so you just do it there and transport it to the UK. It is cheaper than uh, constructed in the, in the UK. Um, if, so even if this material where you, you produce it has low, low production CO2 impact, Mm -hmm. The moment you you transport it by plane, mm -hmm. the, the the CO2 emissions have become very high. So the, yeah, the, there's no meaning to to use a, a a carbon efficient product and miss all the benefit by transporting it or by using a, a carbon inefficient manufacturer. Who, in the end, so who who has uh, uh, spent more, wasted more, uh, or uh, yeah, produced more carbon emissions? even though the, the product will be efficient in, in the long term. Um, so, yeah, th th that, that's why actually it, is, uh, it, it needs to, to be approached uh, more, more holistically, let's say. Yeah, and I guess a great, a great place to, to start or a great first step for, for anyone in this industry is, is to look for those the EPDs from, from manufacturers, right? Those yes, environmental uh, product declarations. Exactly. It's, it's a good point because um, we had a, we had a chat with uh, some curtain wall manufacturers like last couple of weeks uh, in the office and they, they pointed out that only the, the last year clients started to actually ask for CO2 footprints of their products. And this has been driving even tier one contractors, tier one contractors, to 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 start changing their specifications to include CO2 footprint assessment. And this is not a, a legislation yet, so it, it's not a, a legislation requirement. So we see that they started doing it, and then everybody is motivated. Let's say so. I think that these uh, initiatives are really important because they prove that the 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 manufacturers and the clients start to think about making the, the production more more uh, uh, carbon efficient and uh, the, the 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 proof that this can work um, may even drive the legislation towards this direction because if one can do it then 
the legislation will be following them. So mm. then everybody should do it. Yeah, yeah, it definitely needs to be, be driven top down um, exactly, by yeah. legislation, definitely. Um, well, great. I think that, 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 that covers every, everything and all the, all the key points we wanted to discuss today. Thank, thanks very much for your, your input, uh, Nicole, for us. That was thank really you, thank you. Great.